get me for free, courtesy of Yelp for Restaurant. Tools and tactics are what's going to make you successful in 2024. Yelp for Restaurants has the tools you need to scale your restaurant this year, and I'm here to help. Sign up for a consultation with Yelp Guest Manager and get a free one-hour coaching session with me. And our session will dive deep into your restaurant and build the blueprint to overcome your current obstacles and scale your profitability. You can sign up for both free sessions by simply going to restaurants.yelp.com forward slash full comp today. I'll see you soon. Now here we go. Coffee bean is the only thing that changes the water. So be the coffee bean. Don't let the atmosphere or the water dictate you. You change it. So no matter what kind of duress we're going to have, I'm still going to be happy. I'm still going to smile. And we're going to make a game of it. And for those who are really having a terrible day, I'm not going to change them, but they're not going to change me. And that's the key. I'm going to stay a coffee bean. I'm going to stay doing those things. And that's how you bring that culture. Because when you start to hire that and you are that, you attract more people like that. Welcome to Full Comp, a show offering insight into the hospitality industry, featuring restaurateurs, thought leaders, and innovators served up on the house. Are you on track to hit your profitability goals for this year? If you're struggling to hit your numbers, I might be able to help. Here's how I do it. Every year, I offer five complimentary growth sessions to restaurant owners looking to scale. In this call, we'll examine your current situation to see what is and isn't working. We'll identify your growth possibilities by the close of the year. We'll uncover the number one thing holding you and your business back. And we'll develop a growth plan that will get your business results. Go to planwithjosh.com to schedule one of the five complimentary growth sessions. They're going to go quickly. They always do. During our time in this industry, we have watched countless healthy restaurant concepts go under. But today's guest, Jeff Finster, seems to have finally figured it out. His concept, Everbowl, has scaled massively over the last few years, despite an economic turndown and a global pandemic. We sit down to discuss the strategy he's used to become massively successful in a vertical that seemed destined for failure. Well, I was a, I like to say serial entrepreneur. My wife will say degenerate entrepreneur, but (laughs) I was really focused on making money. That was my path. Having gone to law school to be a sports agent and working in that industry, very small amount of time and having a daughter young and being a parent when I was 23 years old really changed the whole shape of my life. And so ultimately, I was just trying to figure out how to make money in this world, utilizing my strengths, which was most notably in the sales and marketing side and making friends side of the world. And that was kind of what I did. And so when I finally got to a position where I didn't have to hunt and eat what I kill on a daily basis and had enough money to be retired or semi-retired, I got to really focus on a passion. And health and wellness outside of business and my family is my biggest passion. I believe in America, we are plagued with illness from heart disease, stroke, obesity, cancer, diabetes, hypertension, yada, yada, yada. And it's killing us all. It's making us all be a worse version of ourselves. It's a pandemic. It's an epidemic. And I was like, okay, why? Why is that happening? It's kind of like the new smoking. We knew in the 90s smoking was bad for us. It caused cancer. And we finally came clean with it. We now realize what we eat and our lack of movement is killing us. And so 
being that I eat healthy and I believe that prevention is easier than curing illness and it's easier to prevent illness than cure it. And when you look at all those diseases I just outlined, 80% of them are preventable or delayable with lifestyle change. So we can prevent or delay all of those things or 80% of them by changing how we eat and changing how we move our body. Why aren't we doing it? And why aren't we focusing on that instead of throwing pills at this and shots that will make us lose weight and subsidizing the meat industry and the fast food industry and doing all these things? Why aren't we focusing on helping everyone be a better version of themselves? Because from my walk of life and speaking on stages and talking with entrepreneurs and business owners and people, everyone wants to make more money, be healthy and enjoy life. And yet they're sicker, poorer and hating life and stuck in this hamster wheel. And what they don't realize is how you feel inside dictates how you perform in the world. Because if you're obese and you feel like shit and you're sick and you can't get out of bed and you can't give all that effort and energy into your craft or into making your way in this world, then you're not going to make the success you want financially, personally, professionally, relationship-wise, emotionally, spiritually, and all those things. And it all starts back to the fuel we eat. And so I thought there was an opportunity for me to jump into the restaurant space. You know, I'm a believer in experience is the most overrated prerequisite to start a company or be successful. And so I knew nothing about restaurants. And I said, let me go tackle this industry. It seems like it's an opportunity. I mean, nothing by this, but nine out of 10 restaurants fail. Why do nine out of 10 restaurants fail? Well, nine out of 10 restaurants fail because they're started by chefs, which means they're really good at cooking food. They're really good at making a menu. They're really good at creating a culinary experience, but they don't understand the underlying foundation of business at the same level that you need to. I came with that expertise, not the culinary side. So I know how to make businesses successful. I know how to scale. I know how to grow companies. I know how to raise capital. I understand how to handle the P&L and what a balance sheet looks like and COGS and Prime and all those nuanced business terms. And so I was able to compete with a lot of chefs and a lot of culinary experts that are in it for that reason, where my background was this. And so I can work on the menu. I can hire consultants. I can bring in top chefs but I'm good at business. And so that's what allowed me to be successful initially. And we'll get into it. But I started Everwolf for a passion project to help the world become a better version of themselves, to unevolve their lifestyle, which is our trademark, move their bodies, live actively, and eat stuff that's been around forever. And I saw a soft spot because at the time, acai bowls weren't very well known. I was importing them and I was a first mover. So what did it look like on paper? If you came at this from a business perspective, knowing that the failure rate is horrible and that generally the profit margins aren't great either. I'm sure you figured that out pretty quick as well. What did the business look like on paper before you ever put a nail into a piece of wood? Well, I'll challenge that notion because the profit margins are actually fantastic in restaurants. Once you turn profit, right, it's a hockey stick. It's very hard to get to profitability. But once you clear profitability, you really have to look at and understand that what makes a restaurant profitable. You have your variable and your fixed costs. Variable meaning they fluctuate and alter and fixed meaning they are what they are no matter what. Rent is a fixed cost, right? I'm going to pay $1,000 a month to rent this place. Well, my labor and my food costs are variable. So if I have more staff, I pay more in labor. And if I sell more product and bring in more food, I pay more in food costs. So once we turn profitable, once we hit that, whatever our break-even sales volume is, and let's just say for easy math, it's $10,000 a month. I'm using simple math, $1,000 rent, $10,000 in sales. Well, okay, sales dollar 10,001, the only expense I have is food costs, right? So if my food costs are 30%, I make 70 cents on every dollar sold once we turn profit, right? And so now I'm making a 70% profit margin 
once I'm in the profit. So the key is to get to profitability quick, and then you see a hockey stick in your profitability sphere. So that's what the attraction is towards restaurants. Of course, it's easier said than done, and I oversimplify that entire process. But when I started Everbowl, I didn't even, I never focus on profits. It's a business mistake. I don't chase money. When you chase money, it runs. When you chase girls or boys, they run. You chase an animal, it runs. So you have to attract, and you attract by delivering an experience. I do that in all business. So in the restaurant space, it was all about the experience for the customer. I wanted them to come in and feel something. I wanted them to say, I love Everbowl because, and that answer is so important. And if you can't answer that for your own restaurant, you're failing because people don't care about food. They care about the experience around food. Food and music are the two things we as humans use at every life event from birth to death and everything in between. They connect us. And so when you understand that, you understand that they have done studies that show that if you walk into a restaurant or in your dinner table at home and everyone is laughing, smiling and doing this, whatever that food that they serve you, I can give you the exact same food. But if you walk into the same building, everyone is angry, there's tension, no one's happy, everyone's frowning and yelling, that exact same piece of food will taste better or worse based on that environment. So when you walk into a lot of fast food restaurants and it's transactional, it's like, next, I'll take a number three. Okay, great. Here you go. It's very different than you walk in. Hey, how are you? Nice to meet you. That's an incredible shirt you have there. Where'd you get it? Oh, your kids are so cute. And we have a human interaction. That same bit of food will taste better, right? And you'll leave going, man, I love that restaurant. That employee was so nice. The food is so good. The environment was awesome. So I focus more on the experience. And when you focus on experience, the rest we can kind of filter back in. I can reverse engineer cost of goods sold and figure out what I need to do from that side. I can figure out culinary recipes. I can figure out inventory and vendors and suppliers and supply chain and all that. But if you don't have a good experience, that's what it's all about. So when I started Everbull, it's all based on our two most important rules. Every employee at Everbull knows those two rules and we never just deviate from them. And it's make friends and have fun. That's what we're here to do. We're here to make friends with everyone who walks through the door, whether they're a customer, a coworker, or a vendor or supplier. And we're going to have some fun. We're going to smile. We're going to make light of it. I mean, we're serving acai bowls and superfood bowls, right? We're not out in the front lines fighting fires. We're not in third world countries shooting at each other in war. We're not doing these high risk, very stressful professions. I'm not, you know, doing open heart surgery. I'm serving you an acai bowl or a batai bowl or a salad or a soup. I get to talk to you about your day. I mean, we're not taking on gunfire. So we really need to simplify and realize like, hey, let's have some fun. Let's make some friends. And let's really enjoy the experience together. And that's all I cared about when I started Everbowl. Profit was completely in the back burner. It's not something I focused on. And how do you create that culture? I mean, it's one thing to say, we're going to have fun. I mean, I think every restaurateur says, hey, we're going to have fun here, guys. It's going to be a wonderful job. And then it definitely isn't, especially on peak in that busiest hour when there's a line out the door and everyone's impatient. So how do you build in that culture? Well, I think you hit on two things there. Number one, it starts at the top. I have to live that, right? If I'm saying those words, but not owning up to it myself and living those same core values, then they're not core values. They're goals. They're things we want to strive to be versus what we are. I make friends with everyone who walks through the door and I have fun. So if you're around me, you're going to see that I'm going to, even when we're under duress, I'm still going to make friends with everyone who walks through the door and I'm still going to find a way to have fun. Now, that doesn't mean every element is fun. When I'm cleaning a toilet, is it fun? No, it's not. That doesn't mean I'm not having fun at my job. I'm having fun at my job because I'm friends with all my coworkers. I'm friends with all my vendors and suppliers. I'm friends with all my customers. I have good music playing. I'm coming in and I just simplify it back to saying, okay, how do I have some fun? Well, you know what? When I'm done with these toilets, 
let's play a game, right? Let's play a game with the next customer who walks through the door and let's see, can they name all these superfoods? It's just finding ways to enjoy your time because this is what you're doing every day. We all fail to realize you live one time. We get to go through this experience called life once. And every single day is a blessing, right? You're not guaranteed tomorrow. No one knows when the hourglass runs out of sand. And so why would you want to spend one day not enjoying yourself? Now, that doesn't mean some people go too far with that and go, that means you don't do anything you don't enjoy. Of course not, right? We all have responsibility. And sometimes we have to hunt. Sometimes we have to gather. Sometimes we have to rebuild. Things happen. But that doesn't mean you can't find the enjoyment in the experience. And when you bring that attitude of, I'm here to have some fun and make some friends and I'm going to take it light. Like you said, the line's out the door. Mistakes are happening. Customers are getting frustrated. You can really take the steam out of that by looking a customer in the eyes and saying, I'm so sorry. It's totally our fault. Let me make it right for you. It's on me, right? I can give them something free. I can change the experience the best I can. Now, we always going to have some disgruntled, unhappy customer. Of course, we're in the restaurant space and this is America and people are people. Just the way it goes. I never have to mirror them. I'm going to bring happiness and fun and hopefully bring them up. Damon West, a friend of mine, he speaks on this. His book's called The Coffee Bean. And I'm going to steal something from him right now. But yeah, we've all heard that saying, I'm sure, where a pot of boiling water, if you put a carrot in it, it softens. And if you put an egg in it, it hardens, right? And so it's like, oh, the water. Well, what happens if you put a coffee bean in it? It turns to coffee. Coffee bean is the only thing that changes the water. So be the coffee bean. Don't let the atmosphere or the water dictate you. You change it. So no matter what kind of duress we're going to have, I'm still going to be happy. I'm still going to smile. I'm still going to look you in the eye. We're still going to have some fun. And we're going to make a game of it. And for those who are really having a terrible day, I'm not going to change them, but they're not going to change me. And that's the key. I'm going to stay a coffee bean. I'm going to stay doing those things. And that's how you bring that culture. Because when you start to hire that and you are that, you attract more people like that. So someone who comes in and is going to be a negative Nancy and not going to be a happy human, they're not going to enjoy working at Everbowl. They're just not. They're going to be like, oh, my gosh, these people make me sick all day because they're just smiling and having fun. Great. You're not the right hire. So we have to hire right. We have to find people who are aligned with our core values. And that's why I talk about it. Everyone understands the five rules at Everbowl, but the first two are non-negotiables. Make friends and have fun. We stress it. We stress it. We stress it. If it doesn't resonate with you, it's not the right fit. That doesn't mean you're not a good person. It just means you're not the right fit to work with us at Everbowl. So you open one location and it goes well. Maybe it's a fluke. Maybe it isn't. When do you decide to open the second location? What KPIs did you look at? When did you know it was time to grow? So I opened with the full intention of opening a ton of them. Please understand for those listening, this is not a recommendation to follow this model. I was in a different position. I was in a financial position to self-fund this thing and I had plenty of capital. So I was willing to take a bigger risk than one store. One store was not what I was trying to do. So I opened my first one in October of 2016. I signed lease number two in November of 2016, and I signed leases three and four in March of 2017. So my goal was four in the first year, regardless. I didn't think I could understand what I had with one. So I was fully prepared to open four as one. So let's carve that out just so I set the table. But I opened the first one in October of 16. The second one opened May of 17. The third one, September of 17. And the fourth one, October of 17. So in the first year, we opened our four locations. Store one started out rough, got really good really quickly, though. Two weeks in, we were really starting to slam. And I was like, oh, this is great. This is going to be awesome. Store two was not that case. I opened in, as I said, May of 17. And it was crickets. Some of the people I work with, Brian Augustine, my chief development officer. And I'm like, well, I guess we have a catering office here. We'll just turn this into a <laughs> catering kitchen because this isn't working. 
And it took until the fall when store three opened that we got lucky. And so what happened was the high school football team, one of the moms from the boosters or son played on the football team, reached out to me and said, would I feed the team for CIF? And this was, I want to say it was October of 17 ish. And I said, yeah, of course we'd love to. And so we did and they won. So they came back the next week and we fed them and they won and they weren't supposed to. And they came back the next week and we fed them and eventually they lost. But what did we do is we built superstition and we built a habit. And then all the teams at San Marcos High School started coming to our store number two is, and it became known as the place where the athletes eat before the games. And we got indoctrinated in and we started hiring from the school. And all of a sudden we went from a terrible store to one of our best stores. And it happened that way. And it took months. So things, again, make friends. I said, yes. The answer at Everbowl has always been, will I sponsor? Will I support? Yes. As long as you are an unevolved style of team organization cause, and you're about moving your body and living actively and being healthy, we support you. So, you know, if you were the Smokers Club of America, we're probably going to say no. But a high school football team? Yes, absolutely. We'll find a way to participate and get involved. So, yes, I going back to your question, my plan was always to open those four and then see. The KPIs I started to look at was obviously profitability, but it was more just, are we growing? And there were two metrics I cared about, repeat customers and new customers. And what we saw is once you tried the food, you came back. We had a phenomenal repeat customer base. We weren't growing new customers very well because I didn't know how to market a restaurant really. And I was trying to figure that out. And I was making some dumb mistakes, just things that it takes learning, right? You had to pay the dummy tax in a lot of areas. One silly one was my bowls. I was buying unbranded bowls because the branded ones were three times the cost. I'm like, oh, I don't need that. Failing to realize that we live in a social media world and everyone who takes a picture with my bowl can either say my name on it or it doesn't. And which would I rather? And the cost difference was, I mean, it's three times, but it was like three cents versus 12 cents. And it's 12 cents. When you look at it from, oh, it's three or four times more. You're like, oh, that's too expensive. But then I was like, no, no, that's a marketing expense. And that means that everyone who takes my product outside the building is going to walk around with our name on it. It's free advertising. It's like a name on a shirt. Yes, I want my name on your shirt. Yes, I want you carrying around. So little things that took me seven, eight months to realize how dumb I was being. But through that process, it was all about repeat customer base. The more people who came back, that was the metric that mattered the most. So once we saw that that was happening, then we realized, look, it doesn't matter what it costs to get a customer because the lifetime value of the LTV is high. And so in 2018, I made a goal to, to open one store a month every single month and two in each of the summer months. And so we opened 14 stores in 2018, one every single month and two in June and two in July and really exploded from there. That is an obscene amount of restaurants to open in such a short period of time. How are you able to do it? In maintain the quality, the consistency, the culture. I mean, especially it was a young company then. So it's not like the culture was fully baked. Yeah. You never know how fast you can run until you push the envelope and see how fast you can run. The problem is you sometimes go too far, right? You push the envelope and you find the edge. The only way to know what the true edge is, is to fall off of it and then go, okay, that was the edge. And we did. And in July, we opened two stores on the same day. And that was the first time I wasn't at an opening because they were happening at the same time. So I went to one and Brian, our chief development officer, went to the other. And it just didn't have the same response rate. We ended up closing our first time ever we had to close a store was one of those two stores. And to your point, we didn't hire right. We lost a little bit of the culture. We stopped getting involved in the community and it became much more about business and less about the experience and less about the customers and less about the staff. And so we had to learn that the hard way. We thought we had the Midas touch. Oh, we open these things. They just work. Just keep opening them as fast as possible. 
for those who don't know, I vertically integrated the entire organization. So I have a construction company I started and we build them all. So I'm able to build all my restaurants. I also import my own superfoods and make my own bases and all that. So I control my own supply chain. So because I own all those elements of this process, it was even easier and cheaper for me to open more stores. And it also changes if you start looking at a PL because of those things, I make more money the more stores I open. So I was incentivized to open and open fast. Unfortunately, I stopped caring about the real estate metrics as much because to me, it didn't matter. At least I thought it didn't matter. Location, location, location. Oh, that's just a cliche. No, it matters. I had to learn those things and learn from those mistakes. But maintaining culture was definitely hard to do when you open stores that fast. And I lost connection with my customers. I lost connection with my employees. They just looked at it like, oh, you guys are just opening stores. You're just businessmen and women. You're not caring about us as much. I stopped going to team meetings. So I had to have that mirror moment and realize, you know what? I have to go back to the basics. I have to go back to what works. And we did. And so at the peak, you know, before I ever franchised, I had 28 of my own stores, was never going to franchise and was very happy with those 28 stores at that time. You know, we were able to rebuild the culture in the stores that didn't have it and go back to our roots, make friends, have fun, team meetings, team parties, team experiences. We started to get leadership meetings together. We did something where we brought all of the leaders in and we brought in some experts and we kind of put together a little boot camp school training thing for them. And it was fun. You know, it was about teaching these young future leaders of America that are working in our restaurants, how to be more than just serving acai bowls. Like I went away from caring about that. I care more about making them going to be successful human beings. Those who want to get into the business world and entrepreneurship, I wanted to help them because obviously I've had a ton of experience and successes in that world, but just life lessons that I can impose on them and teach them because our average age of our staff member is 16 to 22. And so they're young adults that are trying to find their way and figure out life figure out their work life and what they want to do. And they're in school or they're in the real world. And so I have a daughter, she's going into college now, but when I started Everbowl, she was a teenager, a young teen and or 12, 13. And I wanted to make it more than just a job that it, hopefully I could educate and empower them to become successful because I believe success is a formula. And if you understand that formula, everyone can find success. And I think that that's what a lot of people fail to realize and why they struggle is they don't have a good formula for success. They have soft skills and they're trying to reverse engineer the wrong things and don't realize what makes successful people successful, no matter what they do, is they have this formula. And so it was about teaching them that and demonstrating that in the real world and letting them have a front row seat to it. So they go, you know what, I'm getting paid. I love my job. I love my coworkers. And I'm also learning life skills. I think that you had a very clear picture of what success looked like the day that you opened the first location. But I've also got to believe that after opening more than two dozen stores on your own and going through a global pandemic, that your definition of success probably changed to a certain degree. Yeah. How so? Well, I was never going to franchise Everbowl. You had asked me pre-pandemic. The answer was unequivocally never. That was when I was going to franchise. I just didn't see a need. And post-pandemic, I'm a big franchisor. We have franchisees all across the country. and that is the major chasm that shifted. So one of my core values, I mentioned five, you know, that's part of my success formula. Make friends and have fun are the first two. Number three is take immediate decisive action. Number four is Kaizen to get 1% better every day. But number five is change ready, which means you have to be willing to change on a dime. And if you're not, that's where a lot of businesses and individuals fail. We get stuck doing something because that's how we always did it. We saw a huge extinction rate when the internet came to be. And for those old enough, you'll remember a lot of businesses, oh, the internet's not for me. It's not how we do business. Blockbuster is the greatest example of a dinosaur that didn't realize that change would have allowed them to thrive and succeed. And so 
I pride myself on recognizing that no matter what I think I know, or no matter what I say today, if tomorrow gives me a new set of facts, I'm willing to change and be change ready. And so when COVID and the pandemic happened and it limited our ability to travel and it limited our ability to grow organically and through ourselves, we realized, okay, what are we going to do now? How do we tackle this new world that we live in? Store through a door, DoorDash, third-party delivery, remote work. People aren't going to the offices like they used to. Every state has different regulations. People are all over the spectrum now from either the believing the pandemic is the worst thing ever to thinking it's a hoax and it's not real. And I don't care what position you took because I don't like to be polarizing in the food space. Everbowl's for everybody. So I need to figure out how to serve every customer, no matter what their political, religious, or vaccine or medical beliefs were. And so understanding that we had to figure that out, I realized, you know, we had over 500 franchise requests that just came from people just saying, hey, do you franchise and us never saying anything about it? And I said, you know what? Maybe it's time to franchise and let people who live in all these communities and are probably very similar to the different human beings that are in that community and see the world similarly, let them join our family, let them help evolve the brand and bring Everbowl to all the communities because our mission was still the same, bring Everbowl to every community in America, make healthy food, affordable, filling, delicious, and accessible. And those were our four core value rules. Like you talk about what was success and how did I look at the restaurant space? Every decision we made came from these four things. And you mentioned at the beginning of the show, which is people want to eat healthy, but they don't. They think they do, but they don't. And the excuses, and so I, I reverse engineered what those excuses were. And I looked at why do people choose the unhealthy food option when they know it's not good for them? And there's one of four excuses that pretty much everyone, no matter what they say, it falls into one of these four buckets. And it's either healthy food doesn't taste good, healthy food costs too much, healthy food is not accessible or they just can't get it, or it doesn't fill them up and leave them satisfied. That's why they want something heavy. So if we could make our food affordable, filling, delicious, and accessible, then we could basically nullify all those excuses and get people to make that choice. And so understanding that that's what we needed to do and accessibility was so important. How are we going to grow into all these communities when we don't really know Brownsburg, Indiana, Chesapeake, Virginia, Los Angeles, California, Dallas, Texas, Chicago, Illinois, Cedar Rapids, Iowa, Miami, Florida, Portland, Oregon, all very different communities with different views and perspectives and life experience. And I don't know them all. I'm from California, Southern California. So how do I learn how to be a Cedar Rapids native? I don't. But if I employ and allow a Cedar Rapids native to be a franchisee and join them because they believe in making friends and having fun and our core values and health and wellness and want to help everyone live an unevolved lifestyle, I can let them speak to their men and women in their community in their natural tone, in their natural dialect, through their natural life perspective. And now everybody gets to go to Cedar Rapids, Iowa from a place of strength and be part of the community in the right way. And I don't have to guess wrong or offend people or assume and do all those things. And so it made a lot of sense for us to open our doors to franchising. So we did. And now we have 70 plus open locations, 374 sold. We're in 19 states going on 36 by the end of 2025. And we're seeing immense success because we are letting local people join our family and push the brand and push Everbowl to expand what we thought we were and who we think we want to be into what we need to be to fit every community in America. Typically, the process with like mission, vision and values is that you take time, you sit with your co-founders, you write them out, you make sure they're perfect, you fold them up, you put them in a drawer and you never deal with them again. I would be willing to bet money that if I pulled 10 founders off the street and said, do you have mission, vision, and values? They would say yes. And I would say, 
call them out for me. What are they? They would miss one or two. It would be hard to list them all. I think that people really struggle with that. I coach restaurateurs and I see it by and large that they have it or it's not accurate or it's changed or they've changed or they don't know how to infuse those elements into their business because it's not about saying, well, you know, Jeff, our third core value is Southern hospitality and you were kind of a jerk earlier. And so I'm going to write you up. How do you do it in an authentic way? How do you keep it front and center for yourself and approachable for the people that work for you and with you in a way that makes sense? Also in a way that for your customers doesn't feel preachy. Sure. Well, I think it has to start with, are they authentic, right? Because when you write them out, a lot of people make goals and aspirations instead of realizing who you are. It's not meant to be what we strive to want to be. It's got to be who we are and what we are. So for me, I'm all about making friends and having fun. So for me to write those two down, you can spin me around in a circle and throw me into another country. And guess what? I'm going to make friends and have fun. Like that's who I am. So I don't have to strive to be somebody different. I'm not sitting here saying I want to be six, five and dunk a basketball. That might be an aspirational mission or value or core value of mine, but that ain't who I am. Right. So I think you need to coach and anyone who is thinking about this needs to write down actually who you are as the leader and the leadership community and group. And who are you going to hire? Because if you are going to say we make friends and have fun, but I hire people who don't do that, well, then I'm not creating an environment that's going to honor those core values, right? So my success formula, I gave you those five, but Everbowls are different, right? Everbowl still starts with make friends and have fun. Those are definitely the first two. Remarkability is our third one. Kaizen is our fourth one and integrity is our fifth one. And so it's different for the restaurant than they are for my success formula. And the reason those are the five is because make friends and have fun are non-negotiables. So it's not hard for me to only hire bubbly, outgoing, happy people. It's part of the interview process. If we hire against that, then we're failing from the get-go and that's on us. So to make sure that it's easy for us to do that is making friends and having fun and hiring people that fit those. The next three are much more specific and I think will apply differently, but that's what we do. So remarkability. A lot of people strive for perfect. You can't be perfect, but you can strive for remarkable. Did you create a remarkable experience with whatever it is you just did? If I clean the floor and I sweep, did I do it remarkably well? If the answer is no, then I didn't live up to the core value of the company. If the customer comes in and they had a bad experience, did I have a communication path with them that was remarkable? Did I have empathy? Did I listen to them? Did I give them their moment to vent? And did I give them a solution that was in the best interest of them and the brand? If the answer is yes, then I was remarkable. It doesn't matter what the outcome was. Remarkable doesn't mean you win. It just means that's the threshold that we're after in Kaizen to get 1% better every day because we're not perfect and we're learning. And that's going to be true of our staff. We're going to make mistakes. It's going to be true of tomorrow. So every day, are we trying to just get a little bit better as a company, as a team, as individuals? If the answer is yes, then we're honoring that core value. And the fifth one, integrity, be honest. Are we being honest? Did we act with integrity? Are we being remarkable? And are we making friends and having fun? If we say, no, you know, today we just weren't remarkable and we really were in a bad mood all day and that's okay. Again, we're going to get better tomorrow. We're going to Kaizen our way. It's okay for us to make mistakes. It's okay not to be a hundred percent perfect with our core values every day, but it's not okay to lie about it. Right. And so for us, our core values are very simple. They're very specific. And we talk about them all the time. Remarkability Kaizen is all over our entire back of house playbook, our employee playbook. If you do I have a copy handy here, I probably do, but it's pictures and emojis and graphics and it's a, it's light and it's about making friends and having fun. And it's all about what it is. 
And so it's meant to inspire that. So I think the challenge for a lot of people is they write down their mission statement and their values and they, they do all this hard work. It shouldn't be hard. It should be very clear and easy. And you don't need to make them so sophisticated. Make them something that you can actually live. Who are you when no one's looking? Who do you want to be when no one's looking? And those two things should become the same thing. And if they are, you're living them. And if they're not, then you have aspirational goals instead of core values. Core values is your core. It's what you are when no one's looking. And that's what you need to hire for. And when you're clear on them as a leader and your leadership group is clear on them and you hire people that live them, then you're only going to attract other people who live them. Because people who don't, they stand out really quickly dishonest people that don't try their best and don't try to be remarkable and don't want to improve and don't make friends and don't have fun in a matter of two days at everyone we're like okay this employee is not the right fit for our culture they're going to know it too they're like i'm not meant to be here you wrote a book and you're building a personal brand which is interesting most restaurateurs like to stay behind the scenes what was the inspiration behind taking a more evangelical role in everbowl and what was the impetus for the book well i'm not a restaurateur I'm just a serial entrepreneur. I love business. I love starting and disrupting industries. And I thought the food industry was a fun industry to participate in. I've been in, you know, I've started 14 companies. I've had three exits. I've had four failures. I've had a bunch that were okay. And I have the ones that I'm running now. The personal brand was pushed on me by a lot of my investors. I do a lot of speaking and I do a lot of stuff. And I've just always kind of been in the background, not really caring about the Jeff Fenster brand or what that is, because I've never cared about being known or famous was never something I ever wanted to be. I like to help people. And what my investors pushed on me is, Jeff, you have an ability to help a lot of people. And if you help a lot of people, you get to talk about your products, your services, and your brands. And guess what? You get to introduce them to the Everbull environment, the we build opportunities with our construction company, Unevolved Products, our Unevolved Studios, the Jeff Fenster Show, my book, or whatever else I come up with or I'm part of. And so I realized, you know what? I want to help a lot of people. And that's what fills my cup up. And being I'm in a position in life where I don't need to worry about money, it's what makes me feel satisfied. And the more people I can inspire and help be a better version of themselves and help them identify a success formula and allow them to be successful. The book, I was hired by LinkedIn to do two courses for them. So I have two courses in LinkedIn learning I did a few years ago. And one of them was on relationship capital and how making friends, how I've utilized the power of making friends with a lot of very big names, you know. Drew Brees is, owns 150 Everbowls. I build Shaquille O'Neal's restaurants. I work with a lot of celebrities and athletes and business executives. I partnered with Neil Patel for my digital marketing agency and Pat Flynn. And I've been on all the big podcast names that we all know. And they're all buddies of mine and investors of mine. And how I've used that to give me an elevator for my company. You know, when I start a restaurant, how do I get to the top? I knew nothing about computers and I started a digital marketing agency. And I partnered with Neil Patel, and now I'm working with Amazon, eBay, Overstock, Viacom, and all the biggest websites in the world. How do I do that? And it's through relationship capital. And so I taught a course for LinkedIn and then ended up turning that into a book. It's called Relationship Bank Account. This is the book. You can get it on Amazon, and it teaches the path to do that in an easy-to-understand way. If you're interested and you don't want to buy the book yet, uh, you can also just text the word Jeff to 33777 and get a free Network to Millions playbook with just some little tips and tricks that you can implement immediately, no matter where you live in the world and no matter who you do or don't know and how to start to build these relationships. Because one of the secrets to success, and you know this, is it's not what you know, it's who you know. And it's how to do that effectively and how to do that with the right integrity and authenticity to make it beneficial for you. So it's not something that you're like, well, I know them, 
But, well, yeah, but the key is you need people who are your champion. And so this part of my life is about building the personal brand as a way to build a platform for me to hopefully help other people be successful. Because the more people who are successful, the more money they all make, the more impact they can have in the world. And I want to see the world a better place. I'm not a trillionaire, so I need to help everyone else become millionaires so they can make the world a happier, more friendly, fun place. Our industry suffers from razor-thin margins. And the only way for us to ensure profitability is to make data-driven decisions. The numbers don't lie. And Yelp for Restaurants just released some incredibly compelling numbers. For starters, Yelp reaches nine times more customers online than OpenTable. And would restaurants pair that level of visibility with guest manager in Yelp ads? They experience up to an 8% lift in diner bookings. Think about what that 8% lift could do for your restaurant's finances. To learn more about how Yelp for Restaurants can support your business, visit restaurants.yelp.com forward slash full comp to learn more today. That's Jeff Fencer. For more information on Everbowl, visit everbowl.com. If you want to tell us your story, hear previous episodes, or check out our other content, go to restaurants.yelp.com forward slash full comp. Thank you so much for listening to the show. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. While you're there, please leave us a review. A special thanks to Yelp for helping us spread the word to the whole hospitality community. I'm Josh Kopel. You've been listening to Full Comp.